Hey, Bert. Hi, Chris. So I have a question for you. When you go out for a big meal, what do you do to make it uh, a little classier? Well, uh, it's all about the right brooch. The right brooch? Yes. You are wearing a very good brooch. I wear brooches <gasps> every day. Even if I go to the deli, my neighbors pick on me. Where are you going, Bert? Well, I'm going to the deli. You have to wear a brooch everywhere. And so would you say the brooch even makes the deli classy? Well, yes, of course. So the brooch makes anything classy? The brooch helps to make most things classy. I'm glad you're bringing the class because I brought a can of wine here for a new episode of Chris Tries to Review Wine. Hit it, guys. Recording live in New York, it's Chris Tries to Review Wine with your special guest, Bert James. A delicious can of simpler wine, Chardonnay. Musical guest, Elvis Costello. Hey, Bert. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for uh, joining me and for wearing such an interesting brooch. It actually turns. It is an interactive brooch, like the fidget spinners. It is, it is, of yes. Of brooches. Yes. A gold, very classy, very antique fidget spinner. Wow. With I cameos had, on the inside. I had no idea that fidget spinners predated literally my lifetime. <laughs> wow. We're already learning so much, and we haven't even learned about this week's wine. So let me tell you, this week we're continuing Cantoberfest. That is, of course, everyone's favorite uh, alcohol-themed October festival, the only one I know of, Cantoberfest. Okay. And here at Cantoberfest, we're sampling a different canned wine every week. Last week, we started with a red wine from one of my favorite canned wine purveyors, Underwood. But this week, we're going down under... See how I did that Yeah, there? yeah, that was yeah. fun. I yeah. enjoyed that. For an Australian canned wine from Simpler Wines. And as always, we have to begin by tasting it. So Bert, grab your glass and we begin our proper tasting technique with the sniff. Go ahead and take a sniff as loudly as possible. So everyone knows you're about to taste some wine. Now, look up and with confidence tell us, what do you smell? Green apple. Green apple. That is a good, crisp Chardonnay note. I like it. Quick, before I ask any more questions, stick your nose back in there and take a sip, being sure to feel that green apple sensation all around your mouth. Remember, face equals taste. Mmm. What do you think? Do you think it has some green apple taste? It does. It has a little green apple and like a little, like a custard, like a lemony kind of a sharp oh like a lemony custard i was right. like what like a rich buttery no it's got like a little cut like a little yeah yeah it's actually it's it's funny it almost borders on sour apple now mm. that i think about it like a sour apple right. jolly rancher or something yeah. uh but i enjoy that it's refreshing mm. it is yeah it has this like just kind of a crisp light yeah it makes me want another sip instantly you know it is what i like to call a very drinkable wine or a very dangerous wine mm. Which are basically the same thing. I could have a sloppy night on that. Yes, I could too. And what I like about it is that uh, the initial flavor is really light. And then that bite kind of comes at the end on the back of the tongue. So there's a nice uh, aftertaste, a Mm -hmm. lingering effect that makes me want to drink more immediately. 
almost as if I want to get that taste out of my mouth, but then I enjoy having it return. <laughs> it's a, a cycle of dependency, is right. what I'm yes, saying. Yes, I like that. I like that. Codependency mm. with the wine. I like it, too. I, I, I chose it, so I hope I do. But I want to know, with canned wine, how much of the experience comes from the can versus the glass? Ooh. We're drinking out of the glass right now and enjoying it quite a lot. But I happen to have a backup can right here, just in case, always have a backup can. And I think it's time we tasted it straight from the can. I agree. Wow. At the very least, the sound has me very excited. Bert, would you do the honors and take a sip of Simpler Wines Chardonnay? Well, first off, you get a much bigger sip. Just from You do, it's just like a hit, right? right? And it's, it's instantly colder just because of the can. So there's like a little bit, uh, uh, just like a sharperness. It almost mutes it a little bit, like because of the sharp, because of mm. the, the cold. You know what I mean? Yes to both of those things. You would think with such a small aperture, the can would give you like a little sip, but in fact, it gives you like a big gulp. It's like a wave. Yeah, yeah. it's like a wave cresting mm. into my mouth. And then it comes in so fast, I barely even notice some of those uh, bright green apple flavors. It's a, a lot more of a neutral. It seems out of the can. I like it substantially better out of the glass. I do too. It seems out of the can that I want it to be effervescent. Yes. And then out of the glass, I don't expect the effervescence at all. It's funny you bring that up because one of the things that intrigues me about Simpler Wines Chardonnay is on the back of the can, they have two really clear icons, some really, you know, universal iconography. One of them says no corkscrews. And uh, I do agree, no corkscrews. I, I would be afraid of inserting a corkscrew in this can. But the other one says no glass. Now, is that saying no glass needed or they're recommending that it should not have a glass? This is my question. Because definitely they're saying uh, no corkscrew needed, and then I would think they're also not recommending a corkscrew. That seems pretty clear right. to me. So with the glass, it sounds like they're telling you, you know, this is on the same level. Corkscrew bad, glass bad. But I, I disagree. Glass optional, certainly. Right. But glass better. I think glass better, 100%. Hmm. It makes me feel like that maybe we should try the corkscrew, too, since they're wrong about the glass. Well, we'll be back right after this trip to the emergency room here on Chris Tries to Review Wine. But first, I actually want to compare our tasting notes to the tasting notes on the can. Okay. This is a segment we usually call Dramatic Readings of Wine Labels. But this month, it's called Dramatic Readings of Cans. Mmm! <laughs> You are cordially invited to raise a can and bend an elbow in honor of simple things, simple pleasures, and simpler wines, too. This uncannily compact capsule of convenience makes for a captivating combination with cookouts, campfires, or as an expertly easy-drinking-anytime treat. It's lush, vibrant, and exquisitely tropical. No corkscrew required. What could be simpler? Mm. Now, I 100% enjoyed that reading. I thought that was fabulous. Thank you. That's really what I was doing, fishing for compliments. <laughs> but that sounded like a Jay Peterman catalog versus like a wine. That was very marketing. There was no description of the actual wine yeah, at all. Honestly, the only description came in the final line, and it was lush, 
vibrant, and exquisitely tropical, which were some of the vaguest terms they could have chose. I don't think tropical, personally. I don't think tropical either. Green apple might be that tropical thing they're describing. Okay. But that to me is not a tropical fruit. No. I think it, passion fruit or yeah. guava. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not getting a tropical vibe from this at all. I'm not even sure I would give it a lush or... It's vibrant. I'll give it vibrant. It's vibrant. One out of three, I'll give it one out of three. Okay. And the rest of it is, uh, well, charmingly written, let's say. It is, yes. Uh, the marketing was great. I, I love alliteration as much as the next podcast host, but uh, boy, it does feel like a bunch of gibberish. I usually turn to the wine label to get the answers, because I personally am just bullshitting this entire show. Please subscribe and give us five stars. Then I turn to the label, and I ask the label, how wrong was I? And it usually tells me I was pretty wrong. But then when I go out with friends, I say, well, actually, I know what I'm talking about. But it's just because I read the label. But here, the can is offering me no clues. No help. Uh, At best, I can say this is a very lengthy description. (laughs) That's what I got from it. Would you describe the wine as a lengthy... A lengthy wine. There is a little bit of length on the end of the wine, that's for sure. That little bit of bite on the back of the tongue, I'll give it that. But, mmm, I don't think I learned what I wanted to learn from the can. I need some time to process, maybe. And do you know what I like to do while I process? Tell me, Chris. I like to talk to my guests, like you, Bert. Hi. Hi, Chris. So, I invited you on, not just because you have expertise in all things brooch-related, but because you are a special kind of tour guide. I am. One that might pair nicely with wine. Ooh. Tell me about it. I am a culinary tour guide. I give uh, food tours, tasting tours. So do you tour people through food, or do you tour people through places via food? Both. Wow. So we do a lot of mom and pop shops, Greenwich Village and Olita and Chinatown, and I tell them the story of how the shop got started. We do a tasting. Um, And I try to pair the history of that neighborhood and the history of that shop with that food that we're having and have, like, tell a cohesive story uh, throughout the whole tour and how each shop relates to each other. Wow. Do you do a lot of neighborhoods in the city? Just those three. Greenwich Village, Nolita, and Chinatown. So those are the three neighborhoods to food tour. That that I tour. But you're telling us, really, they're the best. They are the best, of course. That was implied. I I assume it was implied. But, you know, my listeners, they've been drinking. So we need to put it out. Oh, I see. Okay, I got you. You know. Right. Uh, Wow. So of those three, you know, I never want to tell people to pick favorites. But would you pick a favorite? I would. Greenwich Village. Oh, wow. That was confident. Well, because that's where I want to live. Aha. Right. And you really do want to be able to eat where you live. Exactly. That's ideal. Yes. What's your favorite part of uh, food in Greenwich Village? Ah, how everybody knows you. You go into a place, they know where you like to sit. They know what you order. Um, It makes you feel like a celebrity. Everybody wants you there. And I just, yeah, it's lovely. Community. That's very old New York to me. It is. It is very much. You know, you don't get that when you go to Dig In or uh, Chipotle. Can I tell you? Yes. I have never, ever been to Chipotle. I am so proud of you. I don't think that that's like, I'm not saying like there's like a boastful style thing. No, I, I think you uh, you avoided something that the rest of us were all tricked into doing. Another one, I've never been, I've never bought anything from Trader Joe's. I went in and I was overwhelmed and I left. 
That is an accurate description of going to Trader Joe's in New York, though. <laughs> Having just come from a Trader Joe's tonight, I'll tell you the only thing worse than being in Trader Joe's was carrying the groceries home on the subway. Which is really like rubbing salt in the wound yeah, when sounds, you think about it. it. Sounds. You've already had this horrifying experience where everyone's in a line that they don't understand and you don't know why it's not moving and the delays seem to be endless and nothing gets better even though you vote. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get on the train and you think, no, I just did this. I just did it. <laughs> it was a great night. It sounds. But you know what's helping improve it? Is it the wine? Simpler wines, Ooh. Chardonnay. I have to say, it's continuing to refresh me, even though I am still disturbed by the vague marketing speak on the yeah. label. It does make me feel like, oh God, if I like this, am I part of the problem? But food's an opinion. They're all correct. Yes. How do you feel about that? When you take people on your food tours, uh, do sometimes they hate what you what you bring them to? No, because I'm an, a, a very good salesperson. So Ooh. like I, I build your confidence in me and then I describe what I like and how I like it and why I like it. And uh, some people don't necessarily like everything, but they can appreciate it if I've done my job well. Interesting. So would you be able to give me a better sales pitch for this wine. The can can't do it, but obviously, uh, no pressure. I'm asking you right now, off the top of your head, to tell me why I should drink this wine. Well, because you could pair it with pretty much anything. And you could be non-pretentious while still enjoying something that is light and crisp. You could add it to sparkling to uh, make just something aesthetically pleasing. So if you like freeze some white grapes, put them in the base of the glass, add a little, a little bit of uh, a little touch of balsamic vinegar on top of the grapes, and then pour your what is it? Simply Chardonnay. Simpler wine. Simpler wine. Yes. Um, and you would just make like a very fancy little, little, little cocktail. Wow. You know, I was thinking this would make for like a great spritzer, mm -hmm. like a little, a little simpler wines, a little Lacroix together, but. Frozen grapes. Passion fruit LaCroix <gasps> with this would be lovely. Passion fruit is the best LaCroix. Oh, it, it is. You can send your hate mail to me personally. And it would make for a great cocktail. One ingredient there struck me as odd, though. Please explain balsamic vinegar. A, a real balsamic vinegar, which is grape must. It must be must. But spoiled down grapes. Uh, maybe two or three drops on top of your frozen white grapes at the base of the glass. Some people would do a champagne flute, but I feel like life's too short, so do a pint glass. Yeah, champagne flute too small. Right, yeah. There's not enough real estate. Um, and then your frozen white grapes, a touch of the balsamic vinegar, it adds like this acidic, sharp, it just it just layers it. Layers I wouldn't do that with a red flavor. wine. Right. Mmm. Wow. You're kind of making me wish I had any of those things to add to this wine. Because as refreshing as it is, you've made me picture it in a whole new light. It's the base ingredient of something far more interesting, but really not that fancy. Because at the end of the day, this is still simpler wines, Chardonnay. So you're not, you're not going out of your way here. You're taking something that would otherwise be ordinary and elevating it to the extra Ordinary, not extraordinary, just, just extra, extra ordinary. And I like to live in the extraordinary. Yes, of course. We can't be extraordinary every day. Not every day. But we can be extraordinary every day. And what it is is the effort. Yes, because yeah. it just shows, wow, you had those things. You went and got them. The lacroix, the grapes, the balsamic vinegar. And you assembled. Yeah, you put in thought. 
And the finished product just feels better. Even if when I picture drinking balsamic vinegar, I'm still not sure it would taste better. But again, you're the expert in this one, so it does. I'm going to assume it does. Do you have a brooch that you would pair with this? Ooh, um, I just got a new brooch uh, that my friend David gave me, and it is uh, a moon that has a pearl string that when you pull the string, the eye opens to reveal a ruby. Wow. It's lovely. I had no idea there were so many interactive brooches in this world. Mm -hmm. You're really making me picture brooches in a new light. Good. And you're making me picture this wine in a new light. I My eyes are open, Bert. I love that. But... Is my palate open enough? There's only one way to find out. To taste a little more wine. Hmm. You know, the smell has opened up a little bit, and there's almost something, hmm, I don't want to say this word, but I'm going to say this word, a little musky as I smell it now. Do you know what? I'm going to tend to to agree more with the tropical, because I do agree with the musky that almost like a, like you said before, guava. Yeah. It has a little bit of that, that, uh, um... I don't want to say tang, because that's not the right word. That thing guava does to yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. I can't think of what that word Fuzzy. is. F- mm, uh-huh. I was going to say that was a lush smell, but that kind of combines it all. There's this kind of weird, almost um, fruit that you're not sure you should eat smell. Like mm. when somebody first gives you a guava the first time, you're like, is this, a, what is this? Should I eat it? <laughs> this is how I feel whenever I've been given a passion fruit in real life. It is red and waxy on the outside. Is the outside edible? Do I open it up? And then you chop it open, and inside it's like white and got all these little black seeds. Beautiful. And it's a gorgeous piece of fruit, and you go, oh God, I almost ate the waxy part. Have you ever had a star fruit? No. They're, they're in season right now, and this- Drop everything, I'm going to get one. I wish I would have brought you a star fruit. <sighs> that this reminds me a bit of star fruit. In what way? It has like, because it's not as strong and musky as guava, but it is, now that it's been open a little bit, it's not as sharp as the first green apple that I tasted. It's kind of in the middle. It's opened up a little bit, actually. And, And that, you know, when we were first tasting it, I said jokingly that the taste at the end made me want to drink more to get that taste out of my mouth. But I was kind of being serious. Now, that tart part that I wanted to kind of wash away has really opened up and and is a lot mm, more satisfying. I kind of want to sip it more than gulp it. Right. Where the first few sips, you just wanted... More, more, more. Right, because it was refreshing. And now, I'm lingering on it a bit, and I'm thinking, Mm. more, but in a minute. My second glass is lasting a lot longer than my first glass. Same here. In a, in a good way. In, yeah, no, I like that. I like a wine that you can ease into, you know? Maybe right away, it's been a long day at Trader Joe's and on the subway, and you think, God, I need that first glass. And then the second glass, well, you want to savor that one because you're already on glass number two, <laughs> and there's only two and a half glasses in a can of wine, so you got to slow down a little bit. Or speed up and order another can. You know, you got choices. That's my favorite thing that I've learned today. There are two and a half glasses in a can? Typically, typically. Depends on how um, heavy you pour. Uh, I like to pour uh, little glasses frequently so that I feel like I'm doing a lot. That's what they say about the gym. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I like to go to the gym and pour a lot of little glasses of wine. And then I do like one sit up and I have a little glass of wine. And then I do another sit-up, and I have a little glass of wine. 
And then I do another sit-up and they ask me to leave the gym. <laughs> that's the third place I've never been. Trader Joe's, Chipotle, and I've, I've never been in a gym. I know that's surprising. You're kind of doing New York better than everyone else in New York because I'm pretty sure everyone else in New York goes to Trader Joe's and Chipotle and has a gym membership and they regret all three most of really? the time. Really? Do you think so? I think so. Part of me is, is I wouldn't say jealous, but uh, I don't want to say envious either, but people that go to the gym and have that routine, I'm always like, how do you do that? Like, I have respect for that routine because I don't. I don't do that. I have a routine where I drink wine and invite people over to drink it with me. So I understand the allure of a routine, but not one that involves sweating. This is a much better routine than the gym, though. Yeah, and this is my workout. This is a great workout. There's a lot of arm flexing, lifting, repetition. What more do you need? Nothing. You know what we do need, though? What's that? We need to find out how much this wine cost. In a game I like to call, How Much Did It Cost? Good name, isn't it? That's a great name. Thank you. I thought of it myself. Bert, your job is simple. This is a can of wine. One can from Trader Joe's Wine Shop. How much do you think it cost? $2.99. Oh my God, you got it right. Really? Most people don't get it right, but you, Bert James, you got it right. Do people guess uh, uh, over or under? Uh, Even when I get Trader Joe's wine, people tend to guess over. Wine convinces people that it should cost more than it should. Interesting. Uh, this simpler wines can be found in many retailers, so the price will vary, but Trader Joe's always has a great $2.99 price per can. Mmm. But how big of a fan are we? Are you, Burt James, ready to give it a rating? Yes. What is that rating? I would say 3.5. That is an aggressive, enthusiastic rating. But but a very uh, endorsed 3.5. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aggressive in a a strong way, I think. I would give it a three, personally. Mine is neither aggressive nor um, depressive. It's just there. It's how I feel about this wine. Often I open my fridge and it's just there. (laughs) And I think, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Not bad. Not the best. But it's what I have. And this is a great wine to keep on hand for just having some wine on hand. Plus, it's portable versatile, and you can use it for cocktails that I never even imagined. Maybe that means it deserves a 3.5. I think the reason that I'm a 0.5 above the 3 is for its possibilities. I like that. It's a 3 on its own, but there are so many possibilities. You could raise it a whole half point and impress your friends. Wow. I feel like we've really come to a good conclusion about simpler wines. And people can find it all over the place. But I guess you could go to Australia and find it there too. All the way to Australia? I suppose that's where it came from. Okay. They like to make wine there. But for now, I'll tell you to go to Trader Joe's. Okay. I mean, not you, because I know you won't. Right. But you, the listener at home, can find it at Trader (laughs) Joe's. Just like you can find me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found me, because you're listening right now. But then, come see me live. Bert, did you know I'm doing a live show? I did not. You do now. I'm so excited. On November 1st at Dixon Place, I'll be doing a live show with my good friend Mary Sella. She's one of the comedians who uh, runs the website Little Old Lady Comedy. You can learn more about Little Old Lady Comedy in last week's episode. But right now, I want to learn a little more about where you are on the internet, Bert. Where's that? You can find me on Instagram at Bert James. Bert is your guide. B-E-R-T is your G-U-I-D-E. At... Bert is your guide. At Bert is your guide, yeah. Gotcha. And my website is bertisyourguide.com. That is a good web address. Thank you. Solid. Thank you. Do you know what ours is? 
uh, Chris tries to reviews wine. You're so close. Okay. It's Chris tries to review dot wine. Ah. Yeah. Also a great landing site. Yeah, yeah, you know. Have you ever thought about getting like a dot food or one of those crazy domains? No, because I that's my day job. Whereas my yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see. We all live many factored lives, many faceted lives, many I don't know, I'm a can deep in wine now, so we'll say many drunken lives. And we'll live another one when you join me again next week on Chris Tries to Review Wine. Chris Tries to Review Wine is written, directed, and produced by Chris Barlow in association with Dapper Devil Productions. You can find out more about the show and the wines we taste at ChrisTriesToReview.wine. That's right, it's ChrisTriesToReview.wine. Wine.